Grab a seat at the bar to join us for another episode of McAnally's Pubcast, a podcast exploring the fun and fantastical mind of Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files series. Hosts Tans and Jess, and maybe bring you another round of literary analysis on this immense, immersive, and colorful environment inhabited by Harry Dresden, the world's only licensed private investigator and professional wizard. Join an active and engaged community of new and diehard dedicated fans focused on the fabulous themes, theories, characters, context, lore, and more. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's Podcast, brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode 10.8, Asteroid Dresden, where we are covering the novel Death Masks. My name is Tanzan, and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello, hello. And Jess. Hey. Thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers for your generous support. It's people like you who help us keep doing what we're doing. If you're not yet a Patreon subscriber, sign up today and get a fuck ton of bonus content, kick-ass merch, behind-the-scenes outtakes, and more. Sign up today at patreon.com slash freeflowrambling. Chapter 9. Harry contemplates the prophecy, but puts a little stock into it. Instead, he prepares an anti-vampire venom potion and waits for Bob to return. Ebenezer calls and the two talk about the duel with Ortega. Bob finally returns, injured, and lets Dresden know Marcone has powerful wards set up. So, Ushavaras. Really good at giving an exit. <laughs> Bye! Really dramatic, right? Real good. Just like the Cheshire cat. Just oh, yeah, he's kind of cryptic warning as she's fading out. Yeah. But I love how he starts, right? Because he's like, I hate cryptic warnings. Like, okay, fine, I know wizards and shit do that all the time, but I still hate it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it sucks to be you, right? Shoe on the other foot, Harry. Why do you get a kick out of the line, though, where he's like, uh, why they only give brief warnings, mysterious dreams, or like prophetic knock-knock jokes? <laughs> it is a good, um, you know, summary of the prophecy and, you know, how much weight to give them, right? I do. I like his analogy or whatever, right? I was like, yeah, it kind of works to explain how, yeah, like we're sort of at one point, whereas they're operating they're, at several points at once, right? Yeah, so, you, know, you know, like it's kind of like, so yeah, they kind of have to warn you until, I mean, it really does make you wonder about the whole thing though. So it's like, <clears throat> they have to warn you enough to tell you, but not to change it in that way, but only to change it in this way. And well, see, the thing is, is that what whoever is doing the warning is obviously going to be warning it for the most desired outcome for themselves, for the future that they would most be preferable to, right? Yeah. So if you're taking a prophecy from, in this case, Ul Sharavas, then obviously for whatever her, you know, good or bad intentions are, she's going to be telling you, like, listen, like, whole city and all of Chicago and everyone, the knights and everyone is going to die. Or you could just die, which is going to make things a lot easier for me in my future, blah, blah, blah. But you don't really know what the rest of that entails, right? Except, yeah, it sounds like she doesn't want him to because that's what the knights said. The knights are like, you can't get involved because you'll die. And she's like, "Mm, no, you need to know the rest of it. If you don't, then yeah, everybody else will. I guess. It's better that Harry does die then. Sorry, yes, I guess I see what you're, yeah, yeah, sorry, my bad. So, 
that is, you know, all well and good as far as the prophecy goes, but that doesn't necessarily tell us what the rest of the future holds, right? Not knowing what the rest of the future holds. Maybe mm-hmm. the world is really better off if we have a Harry Dresden at Sacrifice of the Knights, or potentially, you know, oh, the other way Chicago. around, right? Me, yeah. It's just Chicago. It's fine. It's just Chicago. Whatever. <laughs> like Who, who's there? It's like nobody. Like right? little speck on the map. Yeah. One Christine and blah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not even like they have good pizza or anything there, so, you know. Yeah, and they eat sports peppers. Weird. Nah. Yeah. Weird. They look good. I want to try them. No, yeah. no, Somebody no. send me some. <laughs> <laughs> We're making fun of them right now, Tansen. Oh, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Damn it. I really want sports peppers. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, is that, you know, I think, you know, away from what Harry Dresden is doing about his whole, like, this is how the whole Prophecy Stone thing, river is a time, <laughs> wibbly wobbly, bloobity blue is that you've also got to take, you know, with a grain of salt, not just because they don't know the whole future, but also because, you know, their intentions for the future are also a question, right? Yeah, no, I know. I get. My point is just kind of like, at this point, you know, there's been enough, like, why don't they just come down and be like, instead of like, again, because again, like I said, I've been reading the Percy Jackson ones too, and they're all about crazy prophecies and doesn't necessarily always mean what you think it's going to mean and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, kind of the way it's set up in that one is a lot of times the oracles don't really have control over, like, what or how they're saying it, you know? Like, you know, like, there's one that's mostly sort of, like, crossword clues type of thing, right? So it's like, she'd love to be able to just say, hey, go to the door on the left. But instead she has to, you know, like, whatever magic, godly whatevers, right? So I'm like, I sort of get that, that's important. But something like this, right? Well, and I bet a lot of stuff is coming in very abstract as well, not not that clear to her. Well, and, and maybe that's part of it too, right? But like, just like right here with like this Oshar of us, you know, basically she's like, okay, so we know the prophecy is that if you get involved, you'll die. If you don't get involved, everyone will die. So again, it leaves it open to, so who knows who exactly... Because, again, it's not necessarily her prophecy. She's just relaying it because the other guys already relayed part of it to you. But it's like, if you're going to put that out there, why can't you just make it? You know, like, again, I'm like, I, I know what he's saying, but you got to put it with a light touch because you don't know which way it's going to, inf- you know. But I'm like, well, yeah, but if you need to, like, let them know that, okay, this is what's going to happen, so you need to change it. Why don't you just be like, make sure, like, nobody in Chicago dies and, like... You know what I mean? Like, you'd think almost at this point you could just be like, okay, I really don't want this part. Whatever you do, don't make choices to go in that direction. Make sure you go in this direction. You know what I mean? Like, it's still so very faint and vague. And I'm like, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, you leave it vague enough that you don't know that they're going to make the right choice and that they're going to actually alter things the way you're trying to nudge them in the direction of, you know? It's kind of a cosmic sense of humor, really. It's kind of like, <laughs> I'm only going to tell you this. <laughs> well, yeah. have exactly. fun. And that's kind of, yeah, and that's kind of what Harry's... This is their entertainment. <laughs> oh, maybe. They're, they're dropping the drama. Maybe well, they're like, ultimately, we don't really care. I guess if Harry fucks this up, we'll just make some other vague prediction to somebody else, and maybe they'll get things back Fix it up, yeah. But, yeah. See, that'd be even funnier, actually, if you're, like, constantly giving out, like, prophecies, like, 17 a day or whatever like that, and it's like, this is your prophecy right now, but if the guy I just told the last one to does his shit, then you won't be able to do your shit, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Whoever beats each other to the Tim Hortons gets, okay? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, cool. it's like, you have to order a double-double today, but by tomorrow, double-doubles won't exist anymore, and then your prophecy won't even matter, so uh, who knows? <laughs> right? Right? Give me a cheeseburger. I'm sorry, we can't do a cheeseburger meal. Fine, give me the double-double. I don't care. Can we just have something with hamburger and cheese on it, please? <laughs> Can you tell we stopped for food right before we come to the podcast? <laughs> 
bringing gifts of cheeseburgers. <sighs> Trying to, anyways. <laughs> so one of the things, though, is that potentially is because they're experiencing more of the river at the same time as everyone else. Maybe it's a little bit harder for them to look into the future themselves, right? For them, it's like, for us, we can just stand around making all sorts of predictions about the future where she's experiencing so much of it. She's like, I don't have time to think 10 steps ahead. I'm experiencing 10 steps right now. So that's also why she can't just be like, just use the red door. She's just like, I know. <laughs> it just figure out what right? It's easier to be like, listen. Is to where her string is. Right, there like, will be a green door and a red door and a blue door and a yellow door. Oracles, oracles are just like the ultimate ADHD. Yeah, exactly. It's just so much, <laughs> so much information. <laughs> It's like, I physically can't give you a more specific answer because I just like witnessed like 8,000 different things. And I'm not sure how to define this closer to your <laughs> specific story. So I guess, I mean, yes, they're, they're great plot devices and things mm-hmm. for, you know, giving you like a nudge of where you need to go or hinting at things that the reader can pick up on because they know more than, but yeah, yeah every once in a while, I just like, I'm like, so you can give out like so much information or you know you can you can do enough that you can try to alter what those 50 futures are going to be but yeah you can't ever give anything sort of more concrete or useful than you know what i mean it's still all up to the hero to figure it out the right way in the last minute and get it all right yeah sounds like a lot of pressure sounds like a lot of work too that too that's why i'm not an oracle it's a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving past uh, whether or not prophecies are bullshit so, or not. Maybe genuine prophecies aside, he couldn't drop the case anyways. Because I took money in advance, and I have to pay my bills, and I can't afford to pay that back. <laughs> yeah. And he so, no longer cares about Im- imminent death, like, you know. No. Yeah, he says it doesn't don't care. the same way. He's like, don't get me wrong, I, I you know, not encouraging it. But I want to die, but, you know. I'm just so used to that fear. It just kind of settles in familiarly now, and I don't get all, like, panicked. High-functioning anxiety right there. Right? Okay, so my 2023 reading goal was to finish every book that I already own. How'd that work out for you? It's still 2023, is it not? Oh, this year? Didn't you do this, like, last year? No. This is right now. to read a book every week or something? No. This is my reading goal for this year, just to finish all the books. So for me, what that means is basically reading the last one or two books of, like, 30,000 series. Yes. Because, you know... You never want it to end. No, because you grew out of the series before the books had finished being published, and you're like, well, I'll come back to the series when the next book is published, but you move on and you do other things. Gotcha. So I've got... So many series that I still have one or two books left to read in them. So I've read like 20 books this year already, trying to do in in pursuit of this goal. Unfortunately, some of these books were like, you know, younger age range. You know, I read them in middle school. (laughs) I finally know what happens at the end of Mr. Captain Enderpants. (laughs) (laughs) And I grew out of the age range before the books were finished being published. But you own them, so now you have to read them. I own them, so I've got to read them. So there's one, The Land of Stories by Chris Colfer. Oh, yeah, those are good. I read book five seven years ago and mm. gave it a horrible review on Goodreads. <laughs> Had no idea, couldn't remember the series at all, don't know where it picks up. So I like went through all the Wikipedia summaries and I just read the sixth book a couple days ago. Wasn't that great. <laughs> but still tra- love you, Chris Colfer. It, hey. it didn't translate well to adulthood. But it was funny because like Goldilocks, you know, spoilers gets pregnant and has a baby. <gasps> and Goldilocks in the series is like a very adventurous, you know, like running around getting shit done lady. 
And so the baby gets kidnapped or whatever like that, and baby keeps getting rocked to sleep through all of the, like, as the parents are, like, fighting the bad guys to get the kid back. Like, that's what's rocking him to sleep, because he's like, the kid was so used to being, like, in his mom's stomach while she was, like, running around fighting bad guys that he, like, keeps getting put to sleep while being, like, rocked gently to sleep. And, like, Harry's, like, (laughs) is your fancy footwork back and forth? Exactly, right? So it's, like, Harry Dresden is just, like, my, like, natural calm right now is, like, being threatened. (laughs) Imminent danger. This is my lullaby. Like, wait, I'm exactly. familiar. <laughs> this is, this is like my home. steady constant. <laughs> so yeah, that was my long-winded story to get to that. Right. That's funny. That was in like another series that I was just not to the same extent that you are. More just like I was running out of things in between, and I was like, oh hey, wait, somebody put out more books than this one. But the other series by Anne Bishop, they have that, and basically yeah, it's like the girls in that are like prophetic and stuff like that. And they all get put into this, like, benevolent care. So everybody thinks it's wonderful. And, of course, it's really, really not. So then it's, like, some of these girls trying to survive that on their own and stuff like that. You know, and the one girl is, like, she's, like, I just have, she's, like, sometimes I get all these weird, crazy visions. And it's hard to tell, like, what's the right stuff and what's not. And, you know, whatever. She's, like, but uh, but there's always, like, this image or something. And if I know, like, that's my steady constant or whatever. So it helps me to determine whether I'm reliving something that happened or whether this is, like, new prophecy or you know, and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, that's the same thing like with Harry and stuff like that. He's like, oh, I'm in imminent danger. Okay, this is real life. Well, that's, that's <laughs> a good point, actually, because like Raven Baxter from That's So Raven, mm. that's somebody who tried to did act say, on a prophecy. Did you say Raven's batshit? Baxter? Oh, Baxter. <laughs> I was like, I mean, maybe, but. Who did everything in her yeah. powers to completely tell the prophecy as full as she possibly could and wanted to be as involved in the prophecy, changing <laughs> as much as she could and still always got it wrong. So <laughs> even if the Oracle or whatever wants to give as much information as possible, they just don't know shit anyways. <laughs> I guess that's right. The power of the beard. Like, no, we just do baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, That's So Raven wasn't bad. I hated the spin-off. The Cory in that house was just dreadful, <laughs> I gotta say. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Was that Disney or was that Nickelodeon? That's Disney. Yeah, sorry, Disney. Yeah, pooch that's that fine. one. They made enough money off of it. They I'm don't care. I'm sure they did anyways. <laughs> sure, they don't care if you liked it or not. No, I'm guessing they probably don't. Never in fact, they'll it. probably sue us for even you, mentioning you so Harry gets the potion making, which is always a fun time. Mm-hmm. I always love what ingredients like right. I'm always paying They're attention the most to. Which interesting ones. thing in the world, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, use stale coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, added hairs from a skunk for scent. A small square of sandpaper for touch. I tossed in a small photo of meatloaf <laughs> cut out from a magazine for sight. Like, is this a cooking magazine or is this actually the artist meatloaf? Oh no, I'm the artist. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not me. Like meatloaf. I'm sure it has it with a capital M. <laughs> Just yeah, chicken. it's a capital. Yeah, no, it's it's not a hunk of meatloaf. It's it's the artist. I wasn't sure. And I'm like, like wow, why, that's a why? bit of a kick in the face, isn't it? Why meatloaf? <laughs> yeah, no. Poor guy. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I know, he's like, let me make this potion. So this potion is all like... What makes him anti-vampire venom? Well, because this is what he's, he's saying. This is why it's like so rude. Because he's like, it gives you these like wonderful, euphoric, fantastic, like, I don't give a shit that you're about to kill me vibe. So he's like, I'm using a potion that is like the exact opposite of all of that so like stale coffee that's a gross taste skunk smell that's a gross smell right it's like uh what else did you mention there um sandpaper uh, sandpaper we don't want to feel sandpaper so i'm like apparently meatloaf just does not do it for harry dresden because this is his visual and apparently if he wants to get all hot and bothered and is afraid you know susan or anybody else is gonna dose him up all he has to do is think of meatloaf and he's like no i'm good and i'm like a rooster's wow, like, crow, yeah. Well, because he's got like a song, aspirin for taste. Bat out of hell, right? 
So it's like, maybe you could do for sound, right? Because it's music. But no, he does for sight. No, he does it for sight. <laughs> so yeah, still, so just, still just rude. rude. Yeah, it's, it's exactly <laughs> right. You know, it's just... And I mean, I get it. You know, Meatloaf, I guess, maybe is not one of the sexiest people to ever live. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm glad it's not me getting mentioned by name in the... <laughs> Here's how, to, potion. here's how to turn you off potion. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I, I, I do like the subtlety of the Surgeon General's warning. <laughs> yeah, right. Caution, this is very bad for you. Very, very bad. <laughs> Could lead to death or harm. <laughs> really? Yeah, don't say. But yes. Yeah, I've always felt a little bit bad for me. <laughs> um, he's dead now. So. Yeah, I, I guess he doesn't. He's you know. no longer offended. Does, does no that, longer does, being haunted by Jim Butcher's insults. I was going to say, does that make Jim Butcher feel like less or more? Or is it still just like, I don't care? I mean, <laughs> you know, it, you know, it was yeah. a dig 20 years ago. I'm sure, it doesn't matter much yeah, at this maybe. point, you know. I'm sure both of them got over it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But yes, it is funny. So Harry drifts off, but is awakened from a call from Ebenezer, who tells him that the senior council is going to try and stop the duel from happening. Yeah. Justin tells him not to and provides Ebenezer with the details of Ortega's threats. Yeah, I know. He's like, this is bullshit. Like, we'll totally knock this down. He's like, no, no, wait. And he's like, you want to fight him? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> However, gotta but take him kind of seriously. Bastard. <laughs> has, you know, put a bunch of cheats in place where if I don't, he's going to run around and kill everybody anyways. So, damned if I do, damned if I don't. Yeah. But, yeah, I was kind of funny. He's like, you want to do this? It's like, no. I, like, I kind of like the idea, though, that that... So, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because at first I was like, why the fuck did they know her? And then I was like, oh, yeah, his whole point on the Larry Fowler show was like, put it in writing, make it above board, go through all the legit channels. So I was like, oh, yes, he would have had to have submitted his request to duel through the council or whatever. Formal request to kill Harry Dresden. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, fine. Just let us know your date and who your arbitrary party is. Well, this would have been part of the negotiations, right? Like, because they asked for his head. And this would just would have been more specific. Well, well this, yeah, that, it, right? they were just asking him to hand him over. They're basically just like, "Hey, give us your guy." And then the white yeah, council that got knocked like, down. So yeah, now they're like, okay. like, "Fuck you! Can't just start handing people yeah. over." So it's, yeah, it's still just negotiation process here. Well, if you're not going to give it, so, give so, it to him, let me duel him to death. Now they're yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. again a different channel, a different. They're like, "Oh, fine, you guys won't just like hand over your own people and make that like a whole thing." So yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, I like how they're kind of like, we can totally get around this. Like, it's, he's got a bullshit claim, you know, like, 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 this is like, you know, like the, uh, uh, car injury lawyer thing. Or, I'm gonna sue you for like 10 million. And they're like, dude, you got nothing. Like, don't worry. We're just gonna tell this guy to fuck off. And then he's like, no. <laughs> they have something. Yeah. yeah. Just, they're just gonna Annoying. cheat and just go kill everybody regardless of weather. So, yeah. And then we get a nice little, like trip down memory lane some little like nostalgia bits or whatever with Ebenezer being all like well you can just you know I remember when you used to just hang out at the farm and we used to like look at stars and life was so much simpler <laughs> which like yeah like was only for two years right I know I forget sometimes it, it makes, makes it, it seem like it lasted like... a lot longer but reality was it was only two years it's only two years you know the whole Justin Dumore thing happened when he was 16 right and yeah. then Harry says when he was 18 he immediately hit the road and traveled around America until settling down in Chicago right basically yeah going and getting his license and doing all that and it's funny because when you when you hear a lot of what like just the way he reminisces on stuff like further throughout the books and the things that 
the things that he did learn and stuff from because like I know he says it somewhere he's like he didn't really teach me a lot but at the same time he did learn a lot from but yeah it always makes you think like there's this longer period in his formative years you know where it was like from like 12 to 18 or like you know and it's like no it really wasn't because yeah it's like Demorne snatched him up when he was like what nine or no it wasn't when he's six no it was like eight or nine or something he spent a couple years in orphanage yeah, because I was going to say, was it as late as 10 or something like that? But anyways, yeah. But yeah, he spent longer with Dumorn and all that craziness, but then only had like a couple of years with, and it's like weird, because it feels like, like, and I mean, I guess it just goes to show of what kind of um, presence slash mentor slash role model, I guess, that Ebenezer was, that like just those two years had like such an impact on Harry that it makes you know him and by proxy us feel like you know he had this whole lifetime with them of you know well it had been such a long time since he'd actually had a positive experience it's no doubt that he comes keeps coming back to it like saying okay yeah he yeah, was a, he, he manifested his powers at 10 and was adopted a few weeks later yeah okay well so I was trying because I remember because I think he has like a couple of instances at some point where he had like weird stuff kind of like Harry Potter Harry Potter yeah had like a couple of things happen before then right and I yeah. was like but okay it was 10 when he was adopted yeah so both Harry Potter so, yeah, and yeah. Harry Dresden manifested their powers when they were 10 Ooh. crazy actually it's not all together that because Potter talks about a couple of different instances that happened because we're most in the lead up of like the one year school year leading up to it you know they were the haircuts and the jumping and landing on the roof of school and shit yeah I'm gonna disagree because I swear the haircut happened like way before then the most Mm -hmm. recent was just the snake incident but some of that other stuff happened like more younger fine whatever yeah gosh so I'm gonna say it was kind of the same thing he did his first thing when he was like only a couple months old actually yeah you really want to get fucking into it okay well like more than a couple months old (laughs) one year 13 months whatever (laughs) but yes so yeah after like so yeah after losing his mother in childbirth and his father when he was six and then like four years in an orphanage and then six years of malicious training torture but also awesome because he was a daddy figure and he introduced him to Elaine then he gets like two years with Ebenezer, but it's still like is comparable to the sixteen years leading up to that, or you know whatever beforehand. That it almost balances it out by the time he got, like you say, some affection, some normalcy, some yeah. you know, just but some yeah. you know, yeah, some kindness some over kindness. two years <laughs> yeah. makes up for some not so kindness over six. Right. Like we just went up to the hayloft to like look at the stars. He didn't like banish me up there and like lock me into the hayloft like twenty four hours a day. It was awesome. It was so good. And I don't know if it's been said before, if it's being said in the future, but, like, most of the time he spent on the farm wasn't even magical training. It was literally just hard work on a farm, right? So it was very normal and just, like, Got to shovel let's, shit. Just, let's just take a break from the magic, Harry. You just had a little bit of a master class. Let's just forget about it for a second. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think he does, because I feel like, you know, maybe when we were introduced to Ebenezer in book four or whatever, I feel like somewhere in there is when he kind of That's says, right. like, he didn't learn a lot of magical stuff. Yeah from him anymore but yeah he learned a lot about like yeah just control of his own emotions and feelings and therefore yeah, how that related it's very magically much dealing with a, a team with trauma yeah mm-hmm. yeah very much right skittish little horse let's make it simple <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. back to basics so, so yeah so they're reminiscing about how simple that two years was right and again like you said it's very nice and just like hint, hint, you could get away from all of this hint mm-hmm. hint. Yeah, hint, hint hint if you ever want another year or two on the farm mm-hmm <laughs> And we also get a little, so aside from just that, like, Harry's immediate is, is, you get a little bit of insight into uh, Ebenezer's thought. Well, I mean, I guess we already did in, like, book four, we already know that. What does he call him? A bunch of lollygagging, mud swallowing. <laughs> but again, we sort of go back to that where he's like, oh, you can let this vampire push you around. He's like, well, I don't really have a choice because he says he's going to, you know, kill everybody if I don't. 
and uh and he's like well you know Dresden's like I also have a source that says like some of them might not want the war and like the Reds want it to go on right and Ebenezer's like yeah because a lot of them get to just go they're like whatever cool we just get to go kill indiscriminately now or whatever so yeah they don't want to bring it back under wraps you know kind of a thing and and you get this whole thing he's like well because he's like the Merlin doesn't want to go on the offensive he's just figures you know, it can all be, like, the defenses and stuff like that, and we'll just, and Harry's like, well, how's that working out? And he's like, unfortunately, it is working out for the moment, but, you know, he's like, we can't go again, like, you're not gonna win a war hiding behind a wall, like, eventually we're gonna, you know, so it gives you that insight again of, like, oh, like, officially we're following the Merlin and the Merlin's, you know, political line. In reality, though, this is fucked up. Like, something's gotta change. What are we it gonna do? It doesn't matter if you're an Ebenezer or a Dumoran, you know? Wizard's gonna... Wizard's gonna scuff those lines. <laughs> Wizard, wi- wizard's gonna whiz? Yeah, exactly. It's, Harry's got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, influences of uh, rule-breaking. <laughs> well, right? And again, like, you know, I mean, I think some of that Gray is... Great morality. Right? Well, well, it's like that, that, that little bit inherent in who Harry was and stuff like that. But then exactly, right? You had... Demorn on the one scale and Ebenezer kind of on the other and Harry but exactly you know it's like well whether you're breaking it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons but exactly you know like like you say neither one of them are completely toeing the line too on. cool for rules <laughs> too cool for rules and just yeah Ebenezer just has it with a little bit of a better eye towards the end goal and the betterment of and I mean, you know humanity to, and wizards. to be fair to Dumorn, you know the, we, we are a lot more critical of him than the White Council was because the White Council still places all the blame on Harry's feet. They think Harry went crazy and killed Dumorn, right? We're the ones who are saying that Dumorn was crazy evil, but the White Council was like, as far as we know, the gray morality between Ebenezer and Dumorn is exactly equal, and Harry's just the crazy one. So. Yeah, well, Dumorn was just better at not getting caught. Uh, Ebenezer's better at not getting caught. That's the true. same way. Demorne right? like, is dead. The White, the White Council, the White Council yeah. hasn't kicked Ebenezer out of anything. They don't like well, him because he's n- well, not- he's opinionated, and that's right? the thing, right? But yeah, but I mean, that's the difference is that Demorne was specifically practicing black magic, and he was specifically going outside the rules and trying to, like, he wasn't say, getting caught, br- wasn't getting caught, but to brainwash Harry and yes. Elaine to be, you know, the first of his elite lieutenants and blah blah blah. Whereas. McCoy believes in McCoy doesn't want to go outside the laws of the White Council. He just thinks that the Merlin's an idiot sometimes and that they're kind of dicks. And you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the difference. It's that, yeah, he goes outside the rules in the sense of like, you guys are being, you know, like, again, okay, you know what? Right away, everybody, sure, walk in a line, but you all are walking to the slaughterhouse. You know, in this particular case, let's, you know, now is a good time to not, you know what I mean? Whereas Demorne is just like anarchy and chaos and let's worship the Dark Lord, you know? And I mean, I think that's the difference. Whereas, yeah, he's not caught, but he's not breaking the rules the same way. He's not looking for chaos and anarchy. My only point that as far as the White Council's concerned, they're on the same even wavelength, you know? Yes and no. They do their own shit, right? Yeah, I was going to say yes and no, but again, yeah, I guess. I guess, maybe. Well, uh, yeah, even no, that's probably more how... Demoran avoided getting caught was he towed the line a lot more I think he probably didn't disagree he probably you know it's exactly the same as like those kids I went to school I remember like we did a, a, a school reunion at one point when our children were like very small but don't really arise okay, at me okay okay no it's no it's fine there's a perp anyway the point is I, I it's fine if you're talking about that reunion I thought you were talking about the most recent one that's why I was rolling my eyes no that wasn't a reunion <laughs> no just yes uh had a teacher from when I was a kid and then when me and my sister had kids that were like three and four years old 
and they weren't being particularly mischievous, but my niece just kept going up and or Una went and got a piece of cake or something, and they were like, here you go, and she's like, oh, thank you, and they were like, oh, she's so sweet and polite, and my sister's like, oh, great, because they're like holding little terrors at home, I'm glad she's, you know, being polite in public kind of a thing, and our teachers were like, yeah, that's what you always have to worry about, she's like, it's usually... You know, the ones that are like, oh, my little angel would never do, are like the holy terrors. And the parents that know their kids can be (laughs) brats or whatever have also taught them manners. And yes, out in public is when they know they have to be good and behave and you save the cheekiness for, you know, at home push mom's buttons, right? So I'm like, it's the same thing here. I'm like, DeMorne was probably the perfect little, little, um warden guy you know the warden <laughs> he kept the rules he did everything oh yes merlin you're right merlin gotta be afraid of the quiet merlin. yeah in the meantime he's like fuck it i'm gonna kill you all whereas <laughs> mccoy is like you guys are fucking stupid your plan sucks when and they're the house, like he falls in the line <laughs> but yeah but he's like fine i'm one of the good guys so i guess i will go along with you because technically you're the one in charge you know but so anyways, uh, yeah, so we get the council's full of shit and they're being fucking dumbasses again because exactly like Ebenezer's like, we should take the fight to them kind of a thing and go kick their ass before they get rid of all of our allies and whatever, Strong whether they, yeah, allies. whether they like talk people against us or like kill them all, then we'll be left standing or whatever instead of just waiting for them to give up and go home and the Merle's just waiting for them to give up and go home. And so, yeah, you get a little bit of that political like, ugh council stupid and a little bit of the uh, conflict yeah conflict right and it's like well you could just hang out here and and you know remember asteroid dresden (laughs) which i don't know i mean i guess it's a better name than cosmos 5 and i'm like they're kind of not that different (laughs) asteroid dresden and cosmos 5 well, I guess just for the fact that it's like, about naming one after yourself. If it's after cooler. yourself, it's, yeah, exactly. Like Asteroid Maggie would definitely be cooler than like Cosmos Five. So you know, it is a very cute moment. It is. It, it is. It's very sweet and it's very cute. And just yeah, I look like oh, what do we ever do with that? Like oh yeah, I packed it up in the trunk. And oh yeah, right. Thanks. Okay. Okay. And sold it for drug money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's waiting for Bob it's to a, come back and yeah sort of chewing all of this over but time is running out bob finally at the very last second comes back and he's clearly injured getting a little too close to dawn like uh where are you buddy (laughs) like he can barely um, barely communicate what happened to him like rattled and exhausted and fucked up comes in weaving drunkenly on the what the fuck is wrong with you and yeah wards where did they get wards? <laughs> Magic. Okay, so I knew he wasn't that badly in <laughs> That made me feel a little better if he could still be snarky. He wasn't completely dying. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. It's come, like, come to find out that Marcone has wards. Well, what the fuck? Last time we saw Marcone, he was just a uh, human, regular human, human gangster. gangster. Muggle. <laughs> muggle. He was like a total muggle. Total muggle. A muggle he, with uh, wards, wards that managed to fuck Bob up pretty good. Yeah, because apparently, you know, Bob's pretty good at detecting things like wards and recognizing them and knowing how to. And no, he got completely off guard by these ones. Uh, well, you know, Bob's specific orders were like, don't fuck around, just go see what's happening over there, right? So presumably yeah. Bob wasn't, you well, know, I take doing a, anything insane. I also take a lot of the don't fuck around and stay out of the girls' locker rooms, yeah. just go to Marcone's. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> But still, presumably, you know, like, Bob wasn't going there, you know, guns blazing for any reason. He basically just walked up to the gates and got smacked and was like, what the fuck yeah. is this? <laughs> Figured he could just go peep in a window or two and get the lowdown on, on what Marcone was up to. And, yeah. yeah. 
Shit Got smacked out of him. Yeah. Big time. But obviously, knowing how smart Marcone is, you know, he got to do the eye-looky thing with Harry and <laughs> eye-looky thing in uh, in book one. A little yeah. insight, yeah. And um, yeah, if you're a smart man, you should have instantly been like, you know what? Let's not have a wizard come look over my shoulder whenever the fuck he wants. <laughs> yeah. So exactly right. So yeah, we knew he was savvy enough in the first place that once this shit started going down in Stormfront, and, and then Harry full got moon involved, happened right on his property. Yeah. Then he was like, yeah, again, right? Didn't really blink at the whole thing. Is like, so I hear you're a wizard that's been hired to look into, you know, why my guys are dead. And yeah, exactly. Soul gazing them right off the bat. So he's like, oh, cha-ching. And then, yeah, like you say, right, the crazy wolf belts that, yeah, Mark Holmes like, okay, well, I guess this shit's real. Yeah. I'm not going to fuck around. Yeah. And like you say, we didn't really see him in book four. And by book five, boom, here we go. <laughs> where He was busy. <laughs> he's, he's been busy. Man it's had like, to go ah, renovate. Time for your fairy war shit in the meantime. Yeah, exactly right. I got to go put up a few mystical booby traps and get me a bunch of wards and stuff like that. So. It's nice to think that in the meantime, Marcone came and looked over Harry's shoulder and was like, hmm, no. <laughs> Let me go build a gate. I'll be back. <laughs> well, I don't know. Harry's got all kinds of wards and shit, too. And just because Marcone did them different, I'm like, yeah, maybe that was yeah. exactly... He's like, oh, you have a bunch of, like, magical booby traps? Not just that steel door you put in after the toad demon tore down your wooden door? Okay, he's like, well, I already got steel doors. Shit, how do I get some of this magic yeah. crap going on? <laughs> You know, so, a lot, yeah. a lot of strategizing going on. With Some Marcone, way, so. somehow, Marcoon put out his feelers. Yeah. It's not afraid to learn. He's like, I think you're a dumbass, but I will learn the useful information from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can defend with magic. I'm going to go get me some magic to defend myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn. So, yeah, don't know much more about that, but Marcone is very slightly entering this uh, magical world with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Even though nobody fucking invited you, Marcone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And can't tell, he doesn't know, Bob doesn't know where or how he got these from, because they're so good, he's not familiar, but, and then, because the other person he was supposed to check up on too was Ortega, so he's like, alright, he's at the Rothschild. I'm like, is this just, like, your typical, like, supernatural hotel, or is it just easier than, like, trying to make up, um... You know, like, See, again, now, why have extra characters when you can just, like, reuse them? Like, we already had the fairy queen set up the Rothschild. We'll just send Ortega there, too, you know? <laughs> it's probably also, like, you know, as much as it is easier just to have one hotel, it's probably all the supernatural, like, hey, this place is stained. I feel drawn to this place. Maybe. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, or is that, like, the... <laughs> There's a back entrance just for magical users. Exactly, right? <laughs> There's a magical There was a fairy court. <laughs> you had to go back down, like, that back breezeway that wasn't lit up from the parking right? lot. Or, uh, I, I was just gonna say similar but different in that i was like or is it just that like the rothschild is like just the fanciest you know ritz carlton in his make-believe world and of course supernatural assholes are always way richer than money, anybody money, else money. so it's like they're all just like they're all just gonna set up at the rothschild because i'll take the supernatural suite please <laughs> <laughs> it's big enough to set up like a whole entire chunk of like fairy court on the roof so you is know like the fairy queen suite or the vampire king suite <laughs> yeah right exactly but yeah either way either like you say it's already got the uh the remnants of supernatural yeah. to draw it in or it's just like the fanciest place and like wow only the best for us yeah. <laughs> i won't kill out of ch- some cheapo super eight motel <laughs> <laughs> be really funny if they did though just rent out an entire super eight for you and all your vampire homies <laughs> see that's how you tell see that's why he's duke ortega all these other underlings that they're complaining about that are like just running off and killing willy-nilly now that there's a whole big you know, you know duke RP. ortega they're the ones that hang out at the at the freaking super eight right and and ortega's like way above that ortega's like, not dressing yeah. up as a pizza delivery boy to kill dresden so. yeah, exactly <laughs> 
Pizza He's got a proper gauntlet that. for that. Yeah. <laughs> challenge these. Whack back. <laughs> All right. Although uh, it would be much better to see him. It would be much better, right? Pizza 73 outfit. Throwing, so throwing, throwing the chalice down. Ah, we're going to do this. <laughs> Well, you know, while Harry is composing all these jokes, it gets very um, dangerous. Bing, bang, bam. Okay, <laughs> whatever the word is. When is a drum roll dangerous? But okay, bang, 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 bang. Obviously, you know his um, candles that were for Bob to be, you yes, know, gone Bob and left. Out. He's like, yes. make sure you light the warm. Since I'm not here to tell you about impending doom and wards. Oh wait, I missed all those impending doom and wards and ran right into them. <laughs> But yes, light your candles so, so Bob's you know. back. You know, you, goes to you know, somebody out. else says that an air spirit out to spy on you while you send me out to spy on someone else. <laughs> exactly. Light your ward flame so you know they're coming. Uh, it's a good thing he did. And Mark Owen's like, "Fuck that candle." <laughs> so yes, just as he goes to blow them out, dun, dun, green, dun, yellow, dun. red. Something big is coming his way. Something magic his way comes. This concludes our episode 10.8, Asteroid Dresden. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at freeflowrambling.com and machinalleys.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling. Conjure by it at your own risk. 